let me tell you about the sermon today. Are you ready? Well, you have to perk up then. Sheesh. If I have to be up here, y'all have to at least be out there perked up, right? I studied and I studied and I studied all week long. And I kept thinking, Lord, give me something, you know. And at midnight last night, he finally did. Now, that's not fair, is it? How fair is that? That you have to wait till midnight last night to get what you're supposed to do. You know? It's like um, the children of Israel in the Red Sea. They had to wait till they put their foot in the water, you know, before things happened. You ever felt that way with God? It's like, God, why can't you do it ahead of time? But you know what? He just don't want to do it the way you want it done. He wants to do it the way he wants it done. And you know why that is? Because he loves faith. He loves faith. He loves for us to trust him to the very end, and he don't like to coddle that flesh of ours. You ever notice that? And the more that he, you begin to walk with him, the more you'll see he likes you to stay in faith. He likes you to trust him. So all day yesterday, I, was, I got up. Keith, he knows me too well. So I got up yesterday morning, and uh, this is the way I study. I cannot sit still. So I got up yesterday morning, I cleaned my back porch. After I cleaned the back porch, I cleaned the garage. After I cleaned the garage, I cleaned my truck. After I cleaned the truck, I cleaned the car. After I cleaned the car, I cleaned his motor for one motorcycle. Then I cleaned the other motorcycle. He said, you're getting a sermon on you. I said, I ain't got one yet. You know, and it was like that all day, because I can't sit still, you know. And so I, I kept doing that all day long. I kept doing and doing and doing it. And finally, I got still at midnight again. I ran. Then I ran for a long ways, and I still didn't get it. And usually when I run, I'll get it, you know, but I didn't get it. So finally I got to my dad, and I said, okay, God, if I don't get a sermon tomorrow morning, I'm just going to stand up there like this. But I got one. Are you excited? Yeah. You know, the greatest thing you could ever do is pray for somebody that's going to speak for you. Did you know that? So what you should have been doing yesterday was praying for me. (laughs) You got it? Okay? See, then maybe I would have got it yesterday morning and I could have enjoyed my day instead of cleaning everything that was around. That would have been a lot more relaxing. You see? I could have done something fun instead of clean everything. So there you go. But anyway, I got it. So are y'all ready for it? I think it's going to be great. It's called As a Mother Loves. How about that? I thought it was good when God said, I said, oh, yeah, God, I like that. And I sent the title to Devin, and he said, I'd rather be there than here today. He's preaching on heaven. I said, I don't want to go to heaven today. I'll preach on this one. Y'all go to heaven, we'll preach on as a mother loves. So, but he's doing a series. Has, how many of you have been watching that series he's been teaching there on death? Oh, it's totally awesome. If you get time, get online and download it. He is teaching on heaven and death and it is totally awesome so uh if you get time and you want to know about it or somebody's going home to be with the lord and you don't understand it oh i'm telling you it's really really good so maybe sometime he'll teach you here but anyway we're going to talk about moms today and he's going to talk about heaven and uh he said you're not even going to question me about my title and i said nope because i know my puppy got went to heaven and he said oh phil so you know see y'all didn't even get it but anyway we'll go on you know one day we were in um, New York, and we were doing a meeting there. This has been 20-something years ago. And uh, we were driving along, and it was really, really, really a bad part of town. And we crossed this corner, and there was this boy, and it was when that hairdo where they, and it's coming back a little bit, they had this rooster thing. And, I mean, it was spiked this tall on top of this guy's head, and the front of it was red, and then the middle was green, and then the back was red again, and it was spiked as high as you could get it, and just total jagged spikes. And we were with this pastor's wife, and she was older. 
And she looked out the window and she said, and she just went, man, that's some mother's baby. Do you get it? She didn't feel any ill will toward, it was apparent most likely he was some kind of gang member or something because of where he was. They were standing on a street corner and they were doing some stuff that was probably not too nice. But she looked at him with a totally different heart than everybody else that was probably in the car. Everybody else that was probably in the car, me included at the time, because we, we were in, probably in the ministry a few months at that time, looked at the car thinking, let's not stop here. These people are probably dangerous. And all she said was, that's some mother's baby. Now that's a totally different heart, isn't it? It's a totally different concept of looking at something. But you know what? I believe that is a characteristic of our Father God. I believe it is a characteristic that God put into mothers as a whole. I believe He gave mothers that nurturing, coddling, loving characteristic that will put up with stuff out of their kids that nobody else in the whole wide world would put up with. Do you agree? I think it is. So let's look at something, and I want us to see something a little bit differently than maybe you've thought about it before. Put up, if you would, 1 Corinthians 13. You don't even have to get your Bibles out because you all know it. We're just going to do it. Just leave them sit there for just a minute. Enjoy today. Relax. You can see it on the screen. 1 Corinthians 13 in the Amplified, the first verse. And I want you to think about this as we go through this this way. Let's read it. If I can speak in the tongues of men, even angels, but I have not love, that reasoning, intentional, spiritual devotion, such as is inspired by God's love far and in us, I am only a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. Let's read the next verse. And if I can have prophetic powers, the gift of interpreting divine, the divine will and purpose, and understand all the secret truths and mysteries and possess all knowledge, and if I have sufficient faith that I can remove mountains but have not love, God's love in me, I am a useless nobody. Now what I want us to do this morning is I want you to think with me for just a minute about these two verses. The first one says, if I can speak in tongues with men or angels, or if I have prophetic powers. Now, the way I want you to think about this is, Keith laughed at me. He said, Phil, I would have never thought about that. I said, but think about it, sweetheart. I'm in bed at 1 o'clock this morning talking to Keith about this sermon. And I said, think about children. Think about if you have a three-year-old and you have the ability to speak with the tongues of men and angels, and you have prophetic powers, what does that mean to a three-year-old? What does it mean to a three-year-old? Does it do any good to a three-year-old that you walk into him and you start speaking in tongues? Does it mean anything to a four-year-old that you can do have all these prophetic powers? I prophesy that you are the thus to a three-year-old. All they want to know is where is my popsicle. Right? Or that you can speak in tongues over them. Do they really care? All they want to know is what time are my chicken nuggets ready? Correct? 
or when are we going to McDonald's? Does a three-year-old care about your prophetic powers? Do they care about your ability to speak in tongues? All they care about is if they get a cut, what do they want? Uh, It's going to be okay. Right? Yes. Not that, oh, shun die, run die, untie my bow tie. (laughs) Do they care about that? No. A three-year-old or a four-year-old, do they really care? To them, it would be just like a gong or a cymbal. They could care less about that. All they care about is they're, come here, baby. (laughs) Mommy loves you. It's going to be okay. Right? If we look at 1 Corinthians 13, every part of this verse today, I mean this chapter today, just like we were dealing with a three- or four-year-old, you're going to see it totally different. Totally different. And let me explain to you why I think the Lord is doing this today. Because everybody, every person sitting in this room is a person. First of all, you're not who, you look, who you're looking at. This person has a body. This person has a body. This person has a body. But what you cannot see about that person is this person might have been saved a month. This person might have been saved six months. This person might have been saved a year. This person might have been saved two years. This person might have been saved three years, four years. But what happens is because of the, how old they are, it looks like, well, this person's probably been saved 50 years. This person's probably been saved 40 years. This person's probably been saved 30 years. This person's probably been saved 20 years. This per- and so you treat them accordingly to what their outer being is. But that's not necessarily the case. Because how many of you did not get saved when you were two years old? Did not get saved when you were three years old? How many of you did not get saved when you were four years old? Five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Eleven, twelve, thirty, forty, fifty, sixteen. You see what I'm saying? But we treat people like they did. And like they're mature adults. And like they have all the answers. So what I want us to do is I want us to look at these scriptures in line with how old people really are spiritually. Not what their bodies say that they are. And look at them like you would be looking at a two or three year old child. And it'll make you look at it totally different. Because when you do that, just exactly like what I just said, if somebody gets a boo-boo on their finger or they skin their knee... They don't care if you can pray in tongues over them. And people have boo-boos every day. And they don't want you coming prophesying over them when their husband mistreated them. They want you to take them and say, it's going to be okay. I love you. I don't have all the answers, sweetheart, but it's going to be okay. That is absolutely all they want. They don't want you to have the answers. They don't want you to tell them, you know what, it takes 12 days for this knee to heal up. And what happens then is um, it'll form a scar and it'll itch when it forms that scar. And you can't take the Band-Aid off when it does that because then you'll pull the scab off and it'll have to start healing all over again and it'll bleed a little while 
and you'll bump it and it'll hurt and in the nighttime you made that band-aid may fall off and you may rub it up against the sheet and it'll hurt again they could care less about all that stuff all they care about is that mama is there with the spray and she sprays it on that knee and she puts a band-aid on it and it really ain't even hurting as bad as what they're pretending like it is but mama's there and she puts that mandate on it and she covers that knee and she kisses them and says, it's going to be okay, sweetheart. It's going to be okay. She doesn't have to explain how healing works. She doesn't have to explain that she's got all the answers. She doesn't have to explain anything. All she has to do is what? Be there and love on them. And that's what's happening in the world today. We're trying to do all this stuff of speaking with the tongues of men and angels, but not having love. We're trying to be uh, have all the gifts of prophecy and understand all the mysteries and all the knowledge about how a knee heals, and people could care less about it. They're three-year-olds, and all they want you to do is just sit there and listen to them for 30 seconds and say, I hurt my knee, Mommy. Make it better. They don't want to know how a knee heals. They just want to know you're there for them. That's all they want to do. And that's what a mother's love does. And God gave every person in this place a form of a mother's love or a daddy's love in in that case. We're talking about Mother's Day today, but it's the same thing. So let's go on to the next verse. Verse 3. And let's stay in the Amplified. Even though I dole out all I have to the poor in providing food, and if I surrender my body to be burned in order that I may glory, but I have not God's love in me, I gain nothing. I meant to ask Tom about this, but he'll just have to hide the tape. You know, Tom, the one that usually makes the announcements, his wife Amy was up here today. Something happened several years ago, and it was his son's birthday, I believe. And he took him every place that he could. He took him to this place to eat that was fancy. And he took him and bought him this gift. And he took him and did this. And he took him and did that. And his, Amy did this for him. And she baked this for him. And she did this for him. I mean, they spent all this money on him and did all this stuff for him and bought everything he wanted. At the end of the day, what they did was they spent time with him and went for a walk with him. And he was laying in his bed that night And he looked at his dad and he said, Dad, do you know what my favorite part of the day was today? It wasn't what you spent me on me and it wasn't what you bought for me. All it was was that walk that we walked around the pond. It wasn't all the money and it wasn't all the things. It was the time that you spent with me. Well, it is exactly the same way with God, and it is exactly the same way with people. Most of the time, it's not all the money that you give somebody. It's them knowing that you really do care about them. Have you ever been in a room with somebody, and you're doing something, and they're wanting to tell you something, and the whole time you're there with them, you're doing something else? How important does that make you feel? Not very important, does it? What about your spouse? Y'all are getting too quiet. We're going to have to back up. Y'all can't get quiet on me in here. You know what I'll do. 
What happens when you get quiet? What happens when somebody's talking to you and you're just texting or you're talking on the phone? It's not very encouraging to you. You can give them money and pour money over them over and over and over again. But it doesn't mean anything to them. What they want is you. They want you. And it's the same way with God. God doesn't just want our money. He doesn't just want you to throw something in the offering bucket. He doesn't just want you just to throw something at this and throw something at this. He wants you. He wants your time. Just like how many mothers in here will honestly say, you don't want your kids to buy you necessarily a Mother's Day gift today. You would just like for them to go to lunch with you and spend time with you today and tell you that you, they love you. How many? Raise your hand. Now look at that. It's not that money gift that you're looking for today. It is the time that they would spend with you. It is the time that you, you fellowship with them. It is you getting to be around them. It's not the money that you're looking for, well, that's exactly the same way it is with God. That is a characteristic of God that we have. You're not looking to get something big and pricey and and all the money in the world. Uh, If you bestowed everything you had and give it to the poor, but you don't have the love to spend the time with him, then it means absolutely nothing. Well, it's the same way when you're trying to minister to somebody. You could have all the money in the world and give all the money that you have to God. But if you don't give your time to Him, what does it mean? Absolutely nothing. That's the same way it is with a three-year-old. How, have you seen that commercial? It's Keith's favorite commercial that there is on TV. There's this little boy, and he's in a high chair, or girl. I think they changed it, and it's really a girl, but it looks like a boy. But... He's in a high chair, and the guy comes on, and he says, everybody loves to save money. And the little kid says, isn't that right? Doesn't everybody? And he says, dough. It really is supposed to be no, but he says, dough. And uh, he says, well, everybody but 1% or something like that. I don't know the commercial as well as he does. He could quote it to you. And the little kid throws his Cheerios on him. He says, what, you don't like to save money? He says, dough. Because a three-year-old don't care anything about money. They care about their Cheerios. They care about their hot rod little hot wheel car. They don't care about money. They care about you taking them to the park. They care about you spending time throwing a baseball to them. They don't care about money. And God doesn't care about how much money you make or how much money you save. He cares about how much time you spend with Him. And that's how you love on people. He says, if you would give a cup of cold water to this one, if you would go visit this one in prison, if you would do this, you're doing it for who? For the Lord. And what people try to do is they try to make money so maybe well, we can give money. There's nothing wrong with giving money. We have to have money to open the doors and turn the lights on. But that's not the most valuable thing to God. The most valuable thing to God is our time. It's us. He wants us. It's like Keith used to say in healing school when he worked for Brother Hagin. He says, I think if we had a drive-through window that people could drive through and you could lay hands on them, that they could get healed and they wouldn't have to spend any time with God or any time with you, that we'd have more takers to come to healing class. Because you could just drive through the window and say, be healed. Be healed, be healed, be healed. 
and they just drive through and you just stick your hand out the window. Be healed. Be healed. Be healed. Because they don't really want God. They just want what God has. And that's the way a lot of people are. They don't really want God in his time. They just want what he has. And you'll never get anything from God that way because that's not the kind of father he is. Sometimes he'll just say to you, come here, come here, come here. Now just sit down with me right here and let's just talk. You ever want to do that with your kids? That's what mama wants to do. I know my mama. Oh, what my word. She'd say, come on, come on, just sit down. Let's talk. Let's go to dinner. Let's do this. She was all the time trying to pull us together and let's do this together. Well, that's the way God is. Money meant nothing. Time means everything. So that's exactly what this verse is talking about. Though you have everything you have and you give it away, it doesn't mean anything if you don't have love. Love means thinking about what they want more than what you want. Verse 4. Now, this is the fun one. Love endures long and is patient and kind. Love never is envious or boils over with jealousy, is not boastful or vainglorious, and does not display itself haughtily. Now, get this picture in your mind. Keep the verse up there. Get this picture in your mind of a three-year-old. Love endures long. How many of you... Parents, mother, daddy, have ever had a three-year-old or a four-year-old? Oh, let's, no, let's, let's back it up just a minute. Let's go back to a two-year-old. Okay? Let's back it up to a two-year-old, what they call the terrible twos. Okay? Love endures long and is patient and kind. How many of you ever had a two-year-old? Uh-huh. What about your patience? By the end of the day, where were your patients? But what did you do the next day? You got up the next morning and you forgot about every single thing they did before, the day before that was wrong. And your patients were brand new the next morning because they were laying in that bed and they looked like little angels. Is that right? And that little smile... And you were dressing them and they hadn't had any time to do anything wrong yet. And you loved them all over again. Is that right? That is what we have to do with the person sitting next to us. We have to love them like they really, 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 really messed up the day before. And you have to keep your patience and you have to be kind. Because they may be a two-year-old spiritually. That may be all the knowledge that they have is being a two-year-old spiritually. They may never have grown past being a two-year-old. They may be in their terrible twos 85% of their whole life because they never, may never grow up. Growing up physically is not the same as growing up spiritually. And they may stay in the terrible twos their whole life. Now that's sad, but it's true. And so what our job is to love endures long and is patient and kind. Now, by the end of the day with that two-year-old, they have marked on your favorite sofa. They have cut. I remember when Keith was two, he, he will love me telling this. Um, he bit his little brother in his crib and his little brother got mad at him. And he got out his mom's 
uh, they got a new saw of some kind. I don't know what it was. And that day, they, two of them had a project. And they sawed every one of the cushions in his mom's brand new sofa in half, the legs off the sofa. I mean, they took that saw to work in the house. Yeah. Yes, it was a great day for them. But did the mom hate him forever? Did his mom just hate him the rest of his life because he really, really messed up? What if you had somebody come and really, really mess up your stuff? And they were an adult. Can you look at them spiritually like a two-year-old? And be patient and kind with them and say, you know what? Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Look at them just like a spiritual two-year-old. You don't have to say you're just too spiritually. I'm going to forgive you. That wouldn't go over real well. But recognize that if you can love them that way, then they can have an opportunity to grow up. You may get upset. Do you get upset with your two-year-old when they do that? Sure you do. But do you beat their brains out because they're two? Or do you hate them forever? No. You understand, that's where their knowledge is right now. They had no knowledge that that's what they were doing, that they were really messing up something big. They don't understand that. Nor does the spiritually immature person. They don't understand how bad they're messing up. They don't understand that they're cutting your new sofa in half or they're cutting your heart in half. They don't understand that the words that they said just cut you in half. They don't understand that. So you have to be patient and kind. You have to be long-suffering. Love endures long with the person you work with or with your boss or with the person that's around you or with your spouse because you're looking at them like a a, a two- or three-year-old. The next part, love never is envious or boils over with jealousy. Now, I was reading that last night, and I thought, God, that is so funny. When you look at it, think about it just for a second. A two-year-old or a three-year-old, they got a new toy. How many moms in here get jealous because their two- or three-year-old got a new toy? Huh? You're just furious because your two-year-old, two-year-old or three-year-old got a new short set or a new swimsuit. And you're boiling over with jealousy or, or you're, you're boastful. They got a new one and I didn't. They got a new spoon today and I didn't. They got a new McDonald's cup and I didn't. They got to go to McDonald's and I didn't get to go to the steakhouse. Do you understand what I'm saying? If we can look at this chapter like we would look at dealing with a two- or three-year-old, it would change our lives forever. Because you won't be jealous of her because she got a new diamond ring or him because he got a new bass boat. Whether it's your spouse or whether it's your neighbor or whether it's your boss or whether... You won't be jealous of that person because they got a new raise. You won't be upset with them because they got a new car. You will be glad for them Because they're two years old and God's having mercy on them. Why would you be uh, jealous, boiling over with jealousy over a two-year-old? 
does a two-year-old even understand what jealousy is? Does a two-year-old, you being envious over what a two-year-old's got, is that really going to upset that two-year-old? I'm jealous over you. You got that new toy. You got a new swing set. And I didn't get a new car. What good is it going to do you? Is a two-year-old, is it really going to bother them while they're out there swinging that they got a new swing set and you didn't get a new car? Are they going to sit around and think about it all day long? Is it going to bother them while they're playing in their new sand pile with their new truck? No. It's going to eat you alive, but it's not going to bother that two-year-old. So you've got to think about it that way, that you're boiling over with jealousy and getting upset and displaying yourself haughtily and getting mad because somebody else got something that you didn't get when the two-year-old doesn't understand it at all. Whether it's your spouse, your nephew, your sister, your mother, your dad, if you look at them like they're two or three years old, you will never get jealous. You'll never get in pride. You'll never get haughty about it. You'll never get upset about it. There won't be any reason to because they're two years old spiritually. Okay, the next verse. Are y'all getting the picture on this? Does it make sense? Isn't God smart? Is not conceited or arrogant or inflated with pride. Now, I just thought, think about it. Now, I know you, you can go there. Think about it. What good does pride do with a two-year-old, three-year-old, four-year-old? I know the answer to that. I'm smarter than you are. I know uh, Kelly Copeland, her little boy Max, when he was really little, he's not little anymore. He's grown. He's a grown man now. But when he was two or three years old, no, I guess he was starting first grade, so he probably was five years old, something like that. He went to school one day, and uh, he came home. He said, I'm not going back. She said, why, Max? He said, I am just not going back. I already know everything they're teaching. She says, oh, Max, you don't know everything they're teaching? She said, um, and she gave some mathematical figure, you know, she said, what's the answer to this? He said, I don't know. She said, and so he asked him something. No, he said, I don't know. But he looked at her and he said, I don't know, but you know, and that's enough. You can teach me. Now, I mean, that's just silliness, you know. He doesn't know everything, you know. But he said, Kelly says, and I saw so I sat there and gave him the answer. She could have said, okay, I'm in pride. I do know all the answers. I know. I know, and her head just swell up. Yeah, Max, I do know the answer. I know. Now, what good would that have done with Max, five years old? Yeah, I know the, the chemical equation to water. I know the chemical equation to this. Uh, I know how many fish there are in the sea. She could have sat there with him and argued with him all day long and got puffed up and given him every uh, history lesson he ever needed to know. What good would that have done with him? He could care less. All he cared about was that... The teachers, they, he said, he came back the next day and he said, Mama, it's like we're in prison. They make us do everything. They tell us that we have to do this and we have to do that and we have to eat now and we have, we're in prison, Mama. Max did not like school. <laughs> but you understand, her doing these things 
she could have gotten real puffed up in pride and said, yeah, I know the answers. What good does that do with a five-year-old? When you're dealing with people, look at them how they would be spiritually. You don't really know where they came from. You think you know people. You don't know where they are spiritually. You, just because you see their physical bodies and they can quote you 12 scriptures, that does not show where a person is spiritually. God's the only one that really knows where a person is spiritually. Just because they tell you how spiritual are, doesn't mean they're very spiritual. Most people that are very spiritual, the most spiritual people I know were the most natural people I know. Brother Hagen, Brother Copeland, I've been able to be around T.L. Osborne, I've been able to be around a bunch of people, but none of those people have ever, I mean, they don't go around and quote you scripture all day long. They're the most natural people you'll ever, ever want to be around. And they didn't have these great big heads on them. They're not all the time trying to correct everything you do and everything that you say. Those are pride issues. And if you keep in mind that you're dealing with a five-year-old that don't understand, you try to start quoting them, okay, uh, by Jesus' stripes I was healed. You have to know that. You have to be healed. If you were just smart enough, you would be healed. You would know that by Jesus' stripes you were healed. Or you start quoting to them, well, if you would just make your confessions on finances and you would just say, okay, uh, my God supplies all my needs according to his riches and glory, your finances would be net. Or if you would just say, I have faith to move mountains. I could move mountains. You're just missing it. You are just missing it. And you've got this big head. What does a five, what did that mean to a five-year-old or a three-year-old? Absolutely nothing. Getting in pride with a five-year-old means nothing. Getting in pride with a two-year-old means nothing. What it means is the love thing. They're hurting. They don't have the money to make their light bill. What do you do? Help them pay their light bill. That's a good start. What would you do for a two-year-old if their knee got hurting? You'd put a Band-Aid on it. You'd help them out. You'd love them. And you'd say, you know what? Maybe, maybe somewhere along the way uh, something happened. You, I don't know what happened. But anyway, here, let's fix this for now and we'll look at it. I'll try to help you see. We'll, we'll kind of work on it. We'll look and see if there's some way we can figure this out. And don't just come down on them and say, you're, you're not making your confessions. You're not sowing. You're not giving. I see what your problem is right now. I am a discerner. I discern that. Huh? How good is that going to be with a five-year-old? Uh, a five-year-old fell off his bike, skinned his knee. I know why you fell off your bike and skinned your knee. I discern that you were mean to your mother this morning. Now, what good is that going to do with a five-year-old or a three-year-old or a two-year-old? I know why the wheel broke off your truck, because you didn't pay your tithes. Do you understand what I'm saying? That is haughtiness. That is pride. That is not going to help anybody. All it's going to do is turn them away from God because spiritual babies could care less about what you know. All they care about is, I am hurting. Fix it for me. Right? What does a child care about? All they care about is, I'm hungry, feed me. I'm hurting, fix it. 
You ever been a child? It's what you care about. When your toe hurt, you wanted it to stop. When your belly was hungry, you wanted somebody to put some food in it. What do babies do? What do newborns do? They eat and cry and sleep. Oh, yeah, they do that too. They dirty their diapers. Thank you. What do newborn Christians do? They eat and they cry and they mess up stuff. Right? Now, when a baby dirties his diaper and he messes up stuff, do you chew him out? Absolutely not. What do you do? You clean it up. And you love them. How many mothers in here, after you changed your baby's diaper, what did you do? You, you changed their diaper, you picked them up, and you did what? What's the next almost automatic reaction after you change their baby's diaper? You bend them down, you lay them off the thing, you change their diaper, you go... Is it just me? 98% of the mothers in here did it. Daddies too, right? You change their diaper, they're stinky, they're dirty. You almost have to hold their no- your nose because it stinks so bad because they messed it up so bad. But as soon as you get it changed, it was a big mess. You get them cleaned up, you get rid of the diaper, and you kiss them. And that's exactly what you do with babies. It's, it's a world out there of people that are too ready to swat somebody down because they mess up. And that's not us, guys. If somebody messes up, we need to clean their diaper up for them. They ain't big enough to clean it up. They don't know how. So we help them clean up their mess, then we kiss them. It's going to be okay. Come on, let's go play. Then find where the fun is. Find where the good things are. Right? That's what we do. That's who we are. That's what love does. That's what a mother's love does. They mess it up. What does mommy do? Clean it up and fixes it. Pride means nothing. You telling them, you messed up that diaper, you clean it up yourself. You made your bed, you lay in it, buddy. You made that messy diaper, you stay in it all day long. Now that's not a very good mother, is it? I don't believe our Father God is that way. He's someone that will take the dirty diaper off of you, clean it up, and kiss you. That's who our Father God is. All right? Next verse. We can go on. We should really be going on. They're already getting up telling me it's time to close. That's, too, that's okay. They can get up. They can sit on the platform. We're just on verse 4. Um, verse 5. It does not behave itself unseemly. It seeks not its own. Is not easily provoked. It, oh, well, let, let me read it out of the Amplified. I'm changing on the guys up there. Amplified, y'all got it? Is not conceited, arrogant, inflated with pride, is not rude, unmannerly, does not act unbecomingly. Love, God's love in us, does not insist on its own rights, its own way, uh, is not self-seeking, it's not touchy, it's not fretful, it's not resentful. It takes no account of the evil done and pays no attention to a suffered wrong. Are you thinking about a two, three, four-year-old? While I'm reading that, 
a mother, does she insist on her own rights with her two, three, four-year-old? Have you ever seen a mother that, say, has her favorite chair? Has her, how many mothers has your child ever put your shoes, their shoes on their feet? Huh? Did you ever go jerk those shoes off that child's feet and say, that's my shoes, get those off? your stuff, what do you do? Huh? Did you act unbecomingly? Why? Why why do we do that? We totally change. We can't do that. We've got to look at people the same way that we would a two-year-old or a three-year-old or a four-year-old. If they get something of yours or they get your dessert or they get your house or they get the car you wanted or they get the raise you wanted. Treat them just like you would your little three-year-old that goes in your room and puts your high heels on and prances around and you think it's the cutest thing. And what that does is it gives God an opportunity to act in your life. Love opens the door for God to be able to do things in your life that nothing else will. But what happens is we are so self-seeking that we have to have Everything is mine. You ever seen two-year-olds? What do they do? Mine. Mine. If you're still saying mine, it's a good indicator that you're two years old spiritually. Uh Uh-oh. We just found out people's spiritual place. If you're still hollering, mine, it's my house, it's my car, it's my uh, job, it's my this, it's my that, it's my attention, my place. Two-year-olds holler that all the time. So don't, don't say it or somebody's going to know you're two years old. Right? We're not going to say mine. We're going to say, okay, yeah, sure, you have it. Because I'm not a mine two-year-old. Right? Okay, let's go on. Y'all got it, right? If y'all don't got it, i got to stay there. Y'all got it? Okay. All right. Verse 6. It does not rejoice at injustice or unrighteousness, but rejoices when right and truth prevail. This is one of my favorite ones, especially where kids and we are concerned. And I touched on it a minute ago. How many of you, when your kids got sick, say they got the flu, how many of you went into their bedrooms, got in the bed with them, and said, Now, Susie, the reason that you're sick is because you lied to mommy. (laughs) And you mistreated Bobby next door. And you stole that candy bar. That's why you are so sick in bed with the flu. Now, you have got to repent and get all this right before God will ever heal you. How many of you did that to your three-year-old? Raise your hand for me. I'm looking close. How many of you did that? But now you've got the gift of discernment. You know they did that. You know your kid did that. You know they stole that. You saw them do it. You know they lied to that little boy. How come you didn't tell them? You've got the gift of discernment. Why didn't you tell them that? Because it didn't matter. 
You knew that by Jesus' stripes they were healed. You knew that God was the healer, that he'd paid the price for their sickness. You knew all that stuff. You didn't judge them. You just said, Father, God, have mercy on us. Let's heal my baby. And that's what you should be doing for your neighbor. Father God, hey, you never missed it. Father God, maybe some things hadn't gone right, but have mercy on her. Heal her. Touch her from the top of her head to the soles of her feet. I don't know what's going on in her life, but you said by Jesus' stripes we were healed. So she is healed. And there ain't nobody in the Bible you said because of your sin I ain't going to heal you. So why do we do that? Well, they're turning off their lights this week. Did you hear? They're turning off their lights this week. Oh, I told them. I told them they needed to go get another job. I told them not to buy that new house. I told them not to buy that new car. I told them not to buy that new this. I told them not to do it. Now, where's the love in that? Would a mother do that to their child? How many times has your teenager... Okay, we'll go even go up to teenagers. How many times did you tell your teenager not to do something and they did it anyway? Huh? How many times? Now, I dealt with you time and week after week after week after week. How many times did you tell your teenager not to drink that beer? And they did it anyway. They had to try it for themselves. How many times did you tell your teenager to study before the last night, before their test? Or get their homework up? Did you hate them because they didn't? Or did you pound them over the head and say, you missed it, you messed up, you deserve what you got? No. You may have said some things, but just as soon as you did, you came right back to them and you said, honey, it's going to be okay, I still love you. Come on, we'll get it next time. Right? Because that's what a mother's love does. Even though they mess up, you're right there to wipe them off, dust them off. And not there to be the discerner of problems. Anybody can discern a problem in somebody else. But it takes the spiritual one to ignore the problem and love them past the problem. That makes you spiritual. Is when you can see somebody's faults and love them past it. Is that what Jesus did? Is that what God does with you? Is when you see somebody's faults and you say, so what, they got some faults, but let's just plow past it. Let's see the good in them and pick out all the good and magnify the good. Ignore the bad. That's what Jesus does. All right. Um, We are going to rejoice in the truth because it's the good. Verse 7. Love bears up under anything and everything that comes and is ready to believe the best of every person. Its hopes are fadeless under all circumstances. And it endures everything without weakening. Now, I know there's nobody in here that's ever done this. We've never had it happen in kids. No, I'm telling a lie at this very moment. We can tell a parent that their kid did something wrong. Not my kid. My kid is perfect. You understand what I'm saying? Everybody thinks their kid is perfect. Their kid's never done anything wrong. If you tell them that their kid's done something wrong, if there was a fight, it's always the other kid's fault, right? The other child is the one to blame. The other child is the one that did it. Why can't we believe that about other people? Why can't we believe that about our spouse? 
Why can't we be the one to fight for somebody instead of be the one to put somebody down? Why can't we be the one to believe the best about somebody? No matter what we hear about them, we be the one that picks out the good and says, I'm going to believe the best about them. When you and I both know, you know your kid ain't perfect. But you will take up for them till the very, very end, even though you know in your heart of hearts they probably did it. But yet and still, you'll still stand there and and stand your ground and say, my kid didn't do that. And you'll take up for them, you'll go to jail for them. You'll defend them to the very end. When you know in your heart of hearts they probably did it. That's how we have to be. That's how God expects us to be with other people. That's what love is. We've got to look at love through those eyes to where we would defend another person the same way that we would defend a three-year-old or a four-year-old. That's the kind of love that he's talking about. A mother's love for her child would do anything to defend her child. She would not let anybody talk negative about her child. The whole world could talk negative about him, but she would not stand for it. And that's the way God expects us to be with the people around us. If somebody starts to say something negative about somebody, you should stand up and say, you know what, I don't see that in them. I see that they have a good heart. You know what, I see that they're always there on time. I see that they're always dressed nice. I see that they're... Find something good. It's like Mom always said, can't say something good, don't say nothing at all. And that's what you should do. Be the one that says the positive thing instead of siding in with the negative thing. Think about what you would do for your three-year-old. Okay, verse 8. Love never fails. Never fades out or becomes obsolete or comes to an end. As for prophecy, the gift of interpreting the divine will and purpose, it will be fulfilled and pass away. As for tongues, they will be destroyed and cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. It will lose its value. A mother's love never quits. Just like what I told you at the very, very beginning. That pastor's wife said, that's some mother's baby. What if it was your child? And they were out on the street somewhere. I have seen it over and over and over again. Kids leave home. They do drugs. They mess up. They end up in jail. That mother is laying in her bed at night praying for that child. That mother is going the extra mile to make sure that that child has a way to get back in. They don't see the wrong that they did. A mother oftentimes will let a child give them, steal money out of their purse and they know that they're doing it. Because they're the mother. It doesn't make it right, but that's just a characteristic of a mother. They will suffer long and be kind and endure things because they are the mother. That's the way God is with us. He will overlook so many of our faults and keep saying, come on, I'm going to dust you off. Come on, get up. You messed up this time again, but come on. I'm going to pick you back up again. I'm going to dust you off. You'll get it right this time. So you messed up for the thousandth time. Come on, you'll get it right. Come on, come on. Put this, put this new clothes on. We'll get, nobody will know that you messed up. We'll cover it up. We'll clean you up. Let's go. 
And that is exactly what, the way your Father God is. It doesn't matter how many times you mess up. It doesn't matter how many people you've hurt. It doesn't matter what you've done. He says, ask me to forgive you. I'll forgive you. We'll start over again tomorrow morning. My mercies will be new again. The Father God's love is like a mother's love. If that two-year-old messed up all day long the day before, if they colored, uh, if they took a black permanent marker and went through the house and marked on everything with a big wide black magic marker all over this church wall all day long the day before, and they spilled bleach all over this carpet, the two-year-old, and they went in your closet and cut up everything you had with scissors. You would be absolutely furious if they took a knife and stabbed the dog and put the cat in the microwave. Kids will do things. I'm telling you, they will do things. They will do dumb things. Kids will. We are God's kids. And we do dumb things every single day of our lives. But His love for us never fails. It never runs out. It never becomes obsolete. It endures forever. And just like a mother that lays her head on the pillow at night and she is exhausted and she is tired from being with that child all day long in its terrible twos that's marked up and cut up and drawn on and put the cat and done the dog and and whatever it could do and and run away down the street and you had to look for it. Janet, where's Janet? Where's Janet? Look at One day, Janet's crying. She can't find, we call her Giggoo, she can't find Jackie. Jackie had, they had to lock the door in her room. Now, this is the truth. They had to lock the door in her room because she would get out and go on adventures. We looked for her a whole day one day. She was in the the high society neighborhood that was over the fence. How old was she? Two. Two? Yeah, she was two. She had climbed over the fence, jumping on the neighbor's trampoline, and we had looked for her all day long. Now, they were mad. We were all mad. But you know what? We laid our head down that night, and we were just glad she was there. We were just glad she was okay. Didn't matter how bad she'd messed up. Didn't matter what she had done. The next morning, we got up, and you know what? That day was totally forgotten about. Do you understand what I'm saying? It doesn't matter how bad she messed up or she messed up or you messed up or your neighbor messed up. Forget about the day before. I don't care, and I'm going to be very bold for just a minute. I don't care if your spouse had an affair. I don't care if they robbed a bank. I don't care if... They stole everything. I don't care what happened in the past. Treat it like they were a two-year-old and they didn't know any better. And when you laid your head on the pillow that night and they repented about it and got it right, you forgive them just like you do that two-year-old. And your love never fails for them. If you can treat it just like you would that two-year-old, your life will be totally different in here today. Because you're the one holding the hurt. And you don't hold any hurt against a two-year-old that cut your clothes up. Why? Why? 
They did not know any better. What did Jesus say on the cross? Forgive them. They didn't know any better. Were those two-year-olds on the cross? Huh? They were grown men. But were they two-year-olds on the cross? They weren't even saved. They got saved. So they were the infants with the diaper on. Stand up on your feet. We can walk in love with people no matter what the situation calls for. We can walk in love because we don't know where they came from or what they did. We can walk in love with them like our father's love and like a mother's love for a two-year-old because we do love. We have that love abiding in us and we know what to do. We've been trained what to do because of natural children. So bow your heads for just a moment and I'm going to pray for you. Father, in Jesus' name, I just ask you that every situation that arises, you give us a check and show us how to answer it. Don't make us be these people that are holier than thou, that always have, quote, the spiritual answer. Make us be the people that are the love people, that get the the vaccine out and spray it on their knee and get the Band-Aid out and put it on their knee, Father, and love them. Make us be those people. Show us exactly what to do in the situations when someone is hurting, Father. Show us how to help them heal. You can grow them up. We can heal them up. Help us to be those people. We ask you for it. And everyone that agrees that they want to be that person says, Amen. Thank you, Lord.